Thanks for joining us for the Heritage Bible Church podcast from Lincoln, Nebraska. We desire to be a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify Christ and love people well. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. I would invite you guys to take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Read about one lady um, who reported that during this seemingly never-ending COVID crisis, noted that her husband came home one day with a giant map, just a big old map, and he handed a dart to her and he said, Honey, You just throw this dart anywhere you want to on this guy and wherever it lands, that's where we're going when the pandemic finally ends. And uh, she reports that after the pandemic finally ends, they're going to be spending two weeks behind the fridge. (laughs) Whenever it ends, man, that's where they're going to be. To a certain extent, it does feel like it's never going to end. Um, This has been going on for a long time, some 18 plus months. I just want to start by saying that I'm so thankful for this body. I'm so thankful for how we have navigated these last 18 months. I have seen you guys love each other. I've seen you guys put preferences aside, opinions aside, opinions about COVID, opinions about masks, all of it, in order to love one another, in order to listen to one another, and it means a lot. And you have prioritized worship. So thankful for this family of faith and for how we have worked through things uh, together because it's been difficult. There's no doubt that this COVID crisis is a lightning rod issue in our world. It has divided a lot of people. In fact, even after the first service, I had someone talk to me just about their own family and just expressing thanks for the Word of God and just prayer, wanting prayer for their family as it's divided them. I believe, though, that as a body, we've practiced the instruction of 1 Peter 4, but we come to it again this morning because we need to continue to practice it. My friends, we need to continue to practice what Peter said to the church in the first century in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Check it out with me in your Bibles. The end of all things is at hand, Peter writes. The end of all things is at hand. Pause right here for a moment and understand that Peter is referencing the fact that the day of the Lord is drawing nigh. The days are getting shorter. And what you find Peter referencing in the book of, or the letter of 1 Peter, is that as these days get shorter, the difficulty tends to increase. The opposition tends to increase. And so he says things in this very chapter like, do not be surprised, friends, do not be surprised when you encounter fiery trials of various kinds. This is what's going to happen as the days get shorter towards the coming of our Savior. The end of all things is near, so what do we need to be prepared to do? Therefore, he says, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. We need wisdom. We need discernment. We can only have those things through prayer, through 
the wisdom which comes from God. So we must be of sound judgment, discerning hearts, serious minds, dependent souls upon the wisdom of God. But then note with me what he says next. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. You might say, what does that mean? Well, very clearly in context, Peter doesn't mean that by loving each other, you are going to wash your brother's sins away or your own sins away. That is certainly not what Peter is saying. What Peter is saying is that inside a family, real love overlooks some stuff. That's what love does. But we understand that we all have blind spots, right? We have all things that we don't really grab about each other. Real love overlooks some stuff, gives grace. This is one of the reasons why we have as a pillar here, as a core value here, the idea of being surrounded by grace. The only chance we have at unity is if we are willing to extend one another grace. This is what it means. Real love overlooks some stuff. Doesn't mean, please hear me, doesn't mean that we overlook gospel issues, doctrinal pillars of the faith. What it means is that we overlook some stuff that really falls into the realm of opinion. Why? Because we love, right? We love. Aren't you thankful that our unity is not in a piece of fabric that covers our face? Our unity is in Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Amen. We have to all be able to say that. Our unity is in Christ and Christ alone. So it's important that genuine love have the capacity to go, hmm, I don't agree. It's really important to look at one another and go, hmm, I, you know, like, I don't really see it that way, but I'm about to hug you anyway. It's really important. This is what Peter means here. Love covers a multitude of sins or weaknesses or flaws, blind spots that we each have. So we need to be able to unite on Christ. As I said a moment ago, it's not built on this piece of fabric. In one sense, you could say it this way. The fabric we're most concerned about is the righteous fabric that Christ drapes over everyone that's in him. If you are in Christ, you are clothed with his righteousness. And inside that, we interact with and relate to one another. And it's so important that we believe this, especially in moments like this. Especially in moments where things are tending towards divisiveness. Things are debated and bantered about. As I said a moment ago, I feel really blessed and thankful to God that this church has navigated those waters these past 18 months. And yet, at the end of August, our local authorities, seemingly out of the blue and out of step with every, every other county in our state and most of our region, brought back a lot of mandates. When that happened, 
it created stir. It, it created a good deal of tension amongst us. And so that's what we're talking about it this morning. Okay? We want to just deal with it, be honest about it, and seek to lead in this space, okay? provide some clarity in this space. So I appreciate you being here and giving me the opportunity to do this. A little different this morning, a lot different than what we normally do, but still rooted in Scripture. And so I hope that you and I will understand the difference of this moment. And in fact, I'm going to read more today than I normally do just to try to get at precision so that we're clear about how we need to think about this. Inside this tension, though some people aren't thinking deeply about it and not everybody thinks about it in these ways, there's primarily two, two sides of a tension that I want to deal with this morning, two sides of a tension that are present in this room. Number one, there are people in this room that are convicted of conscience to obey the law, to obey the mandate, and wear the mask. But on the other side, there are people in this room that are convicted of conscience to not wear the mask. Now, to be very clear, when I say conscience, I'm not talking about people saying, like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. So please don't hear that as we work through this message. This is not people just sort of willy-nilly I'm going to do whatever is right in my eyes. I'm talking about conscience here. We're talking about people who believe that they have a biblically informed and spirit-led position on the score. Okay, So their conscience is, in their minds and in their hearts, biblically informed and spirit-led. Martin Luther famously said, it is not right or safe to go against one's conscience. But to be very clear, my friends, to be very clear, he was referring to a conscience that is biblically informed and spirit-led. But the question is, when you have that tension, what do you do? Think about this with me. When you have that tension, what do you do? People that are convicted of conscience before God that fall on opposing sides, that fall in sides that bring about conflict. Well, I would say to you that the first thing that we must do is listen. We must listen. Listen to one another. Our culture wants us just to rush to polar opposites. Please hear me. You know this. I'm not saying anything that you don't already know and see. Our culture wants us just to jump to opposing sides and attack one another. Assume the worst about one another. I think the Bible would caution us to pause, listen, listen to perspective from your brothers and sisters on either side. And that's what we want to do for a few moments this morning. We have to listen, man. The proverb, um, the first person seems right until they are cross-examined. I've never seen this played out more truly than I have in this last two years. And the proverb essentially is saying, you guys need to listen. Listen all the way through. Listen to one another. So let's love enough this morning on the basis of 1 Peter 4. Let's love enough to listen. First of all, to those who are convicted to comply. 
convicted to comply. I want to first mention that there are some who have chosen in this season to wear masks either out of medical necessity because they or someone close to them is in a high-risk category or out of a genuine love and concern for the safety of their brothers and sisters. And throughout this entire COVID crisis, we have sought to make it clear that this is both welcome and appreciated. Please hear that. This is very much welcome and appreciated. But more to the point this morning, as it relates to the particular mandate that we are under now, I want to say it this way. Some have chosen to wear masks out of a robust allegiance to God and his word, which compels them to live in subjection to governing authorities. Underneath passages like 1 Peter 2. So you're in 1 Peter 4. Please turn back with me to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2 and verse 13. Peter here writes to a church in the first century that is facing very difficult opposition and very unjust governing authorities. In that context, Peter writes, verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good in this context, by being in subjection, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So pay careful attention to your text. What does Peter exhort these people to do? To be in subjection, to be in submission to these governing authorities. The idea behind this language is to rank oneself under, to rank oneself underneath these authorities. And so the context here implies and assumes obedience, that one would come underneath these governing authorities with an attitude and mindset and action to obey. Now, I said just now, attitude. For this is not just action. Why? You see this in the language of honor, verse 17. Peter doesn't just tell them to obey. He tells them to be respectful, to be respectful, to be honoring towards these authorities. We must live in application to this. We must live in accordance with the law to be in subjection or submission before the law of the land. And in doing so, we are being submissive to God. This is what Peter is saying. He's also saying this in reference to Romans 13. Romans 13, where Paul says there, God is the one who established this authority. He is the one who put it in place. So by obeying here, we are literally obeying God. We also must show willing and eager respect to these officials. So in demeanor, in attitude, 
We ought to be respectful to the authorities that govern in our world. Just recently, we were, my family and I, driving uh, down 70th Street, and we saw an accident, and there were ambulances there and also police officers there. And anytime I see that, I take the opportunity to tell my kids, you see what they're doing, these men? They're fighting for you. If you or we ever get in an accident, these guys are going to show up. They're going to try to help. We respect these people. We respect them. Honor them. So it requires actions and attitudes, and it's all for the Lord's sake. It's for his glory, verse 13. Be in submission for his sake. So... With regard to this particular mandate, our mayor, our local officials, these governing authorities that are put in front of us, we are to live in submission before them. This doesn't mean that we are to live in submission when we like everything they do. That we can just decide, I'm not going to obey that, not going to regard that. This I will, that I won't. Peter's pretty clear. We should live in submission before them. So many, if you'll listen, many will say, we ought to simply wear masks. We ought to simply wear masks. They aren't stopping us from worshiping or gathering. We ought to comply. And so, let's let them be heard, please those who are convicted of conscience to comply. Let them be heard. Having said that, 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 uh, having said that, there are others that are going, but it's not that simple, Dustin. It's not that simple. It's kind of like in a football game, and there was a pretty good one yesterday, right? It's kind of like in a football game, when you have a scrum at the goal line, and you got one guy that's trying to get that ball across, right? But there's a pile of massive men. And every time that happens, as soon as the play is happening, there's an official on either side, and they come sprinting in. They're trying to see, right? Did this guy get the ball across? And oftentimes, one will be like touchdown, and the other will be like third down or fourth down, right? Why? Because different vantage points, different angles, not everybody's looking at it the exact same way. So while others are very much convinced by this and are saying it's pretty simple, straightforward, others not so much. So let me ask you, let's love enough to keep listening. Okay? Let's love enough to keep listening to a second group of people that are present here, those who are convicted to not comply. Generally, living in submission to the government, but with regard to this particular mandate, convicted to not comply. So, some have chosen to not wear masks. And they would like to be heard, to be understood that they too do it out of a biblically informed conscience that is guided by a robust allegiance to God and his word. Now, 
I want to start with a couple of disclaimers. I think all of them would acknowledge that this is the more difficult of the two to prove from Scripture. So please clear, clearly hear. They are not saying that this, in this that it is a sin to wear a mask. People that are on this side of the equation are not saying it's a sin to put on this piece of fabric. Moreover, they are also not saying that this mandate equates to persecution. Rather, they are saying that the wearing of masks in corporate worship as a family is biblically unsustainable for at least these two reasons. Number one, with regard to what we might call a theology of faith. A theology of faith. Those who would subscribe to this would believe that for all of us to perpetually wear masks would send the wrong message to the world and to one another and especially to our kids. For it has the capacity of perpetuating a culture of fear when we ought to be trusting God. Now, in this, they are not uh, suggesting that it's wrong to be wise. Okay, so you have to tease this out individually. They're not suggesting that it's wrong to be wise. I mean, you and I laughed about this with regard to me being kind of freaked out at the Grand Canyon with my kids. Like, I, I trust in the sovereignty of God for my kids. I trust that the scripture is right when it says that his days are numbered, but I'm also going to pull back the little lunatic from jumping off the edge of the cliff, right? So I'm not saying that it's wrong to be wise. I am saying this, though. Throughout the scriptures, God tells us to live without fear. To live in a world that always comes with risk. Always, period, always. To live without fear, trusting in the Lord. Consider Joshua 1.9. This is God's word to a people that were going into a Canaan land that was filled with giants that were far more, far more dangerous than COVID. And God says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because you guys have great armor. Because you guys have great chariots. No. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 and 26. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You cannot. Perhaps I could say it this way. Who of you by masking can add a single hour to his life? None of you. None of you. So for some, this theology of faith informs the understanding that this is biblically unsustainable. But then secondly, a theology of fellowship. We all understand that God has commanded us to gather Moreover, we need to gather. We need fellowship with one another. Our, our culture, well before COVID, well before COVID, has been pushing us into isolation, but with greater speed during this crisis. So we have to understand that this is the context in which we are living, and furthermore, that we are now 18 plus months into it. We must gather, we must gather together, and understand 
that the face, my friends, the face is the principal place whereby God reflects in us his image. So the face is critical as we gather. Please hear me. I'm not saying that masks are now suddenly outlawed or that you can't worship or fellowship with one on. Please hear me. I'm saying that some are arguing, and I think they have a legitimate point here, that they are biblically unsustainable. Consider what one author writes, this particular guy from Nine Marks Ministries. He says, Christians are commanded to gather, and the face, more than any other part of the body, is the physical center of our embodied gatherings. It plays a role in the church's ability to fulfill its mission. Were we to write a theology of the face, we could say that the Bible highlights the face as facilitating presence, fellowship, and blessing. Drawing on passages like these, consider them. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And lastly, 2 John 1.12, Though I have much to write to you, John says, from a pastor's heart and perspective, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Hear this commentator. He writes this. Notice in these four examples how the face is tied respectively to divine blessing, the knowledge of God, faith, and joy-completing instruction. So, he says, it's not merely the commingling of legs and arms which makes the gathering what it is. It's beholding one another's faces. So the face, he says, represents the whole person and our posture toward a person, as in, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, 1 Peter 3.12. So he says, we recognize one another when we gather, we recognize one another, read one another, interpret one another, know one another, and love one another through the face. It's a big deal. So, if you can listen, love enough to listen to those on this side with regard to this posture before God and this posture before others, some of us are convicted of conscience against what feels like hypocritically hiding before God and holding our siblings at arm's length. And I would be honest with you and say, especially at this horizontal level, this is where I'm at. And this is why you've probably noticed I've taken my jam outside, okay? Because I just don't feel, I just don't feel as though I can engage with you covered. It's fine with me for you to be covered, okay? Again, please hear my heart in this. I just don't feel like I can personally engage with you. It feels like a complete barrier. It feels like I'm holding you at arm's length. It feels like I'm hiding something. That's just me, okay? Just hear me. That's just my heart. I would say to you that our elder team 
all feels at some level that this is, this kind of mandate is biblically unsustainable. But we're not all at the same place with regard to where the line is now. We're not. I just want to be straight with you about that and honest with you about that. We have discussed this. We have passionately discussed this. We've gone around and around and around and around. And it's important that we do. Because we are fighting for, brothers and sisters, we are fighting for allegiance to the word of God and the protection of the flock. And it's not easy. Please hear my heart. It's not easy. I wish it was just a simple, well, this is obvious. It's clear. I'm saying to you, it's not. My friends, from everything we are seeing and wrestling with, it's not. So can I say at this point, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Can I encourage you, listen to one another. Before drawing conclusions, listen to one another. Understand that sincere Christians that love God and love his word and love one another can fall on two sides of this coin. Hear that. So what do we do? Well, I'll talk about more decision level in a moment. But I want to start by talking about what I think is the most important. The most important thing that you and I can do right now is to take off the robes, step down from the bench, put down the gavel, and shut down your inner judge. This is what we can all do. Take off the robes, step down from the bench, put down the gavel, and horizontally shut down your inner judge. Eradicate a spirit of judgment from your heart by grace. By God's grace, eradicate a spirit of judgment. The Bible, my friends, is very clear to warn us about being too quick to judge and about judging at all. Consider what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, he says, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on to say in that famous text, stop scrapping at the speck in your brother's eye or your sister's eye when you've got a log hanging out of your own. Just unwise. You don't see clearly. You don't see clearly enough to be the judge. Romans chapter 2, verse 3. Do you suppose, O oh man, Paul says, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? What is Paul saying? In context there, he's talking about those who would look back into the list of chapter 1 and say, hmm, Look at those awful people that are committing all those sins. Paul says, hang on, hang on. You're saying that you've never committed sin. You have no issues at all. You need to put down your gavel. James chapter 4 and verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge your neighbor? The, the point is, 
You don't have all the angles, my friends. You don't have all the right perspectives. You don't know everyone's motives. You don't know their heart. You don't know how they've wrestled through this. So don't judge. If I can be very specific, if you see someone wearing a mask, don't assume, please hear me, don't assume that they are sinfully frozen in fear or that they don't like people. Don't assume that. You don't know. You don't. You don't know how they've worked through it. And you don't know the motives of their heart. Let's rather assume that they love God, they love his word, and they love their brothers and sisters. And they've worked it out. Moreover, on the other side, if you see someone not wearing a mask, please hear me. If you see someone not wearing a mask, don't assume that they are just choosing to ignore the word of God and are flouting the government. Don't assume that they don't love people or care about their safety. You don't know. You don't know. Rather, let's assume that they love God and his people and are compelled by the word of God with regard to how we should interact with him and one another. Let's follow the instruction of Romans 14. Let us not quarrel over opinions. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Each of us will give an account of himself before God. Everyone will give account for himself. And above all, 1 Peter 4, my friends, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Love each other. Put down the gavel and love. Love. Believe the best. Hope for the best. Assume the best. Don't assume the worst. This, I think, is the primary aim. The primary aim. At a secondary level, though, you might have the question, what are we going to do? What are we going to do at a corporate level, as a church? I already told you that we are working through it as an elder team. And because we are not, though, very unified. Okay, please hear that. Very unified together. But are not unified on this decision. We are going to, as a church, continue to try to work with the mandate. That is, this is what we're going to try to do. To try to continue to work with the mandate but with these three things as a guide. Number one, no policing. Okay, to be very clear, no policing. No one is to ask someone to take off or put on a mask, period. Can't happen. Please help me with this. It won't happen here. No policing. Number two, no judgment. Whatever you see, from this point forward, whatever you see, refuse to judge. Assume the best about the other person who comes in with or without the mask. Number three, we are going to try to space these rows in an effort to try to comply as much as we can. Space these rows a bit so that those who are coming in with a mask can sit together with friends or family or whatever that they do life together with and feel comfortable taking off their mask while they worship God 
And then you can keep it off as long as you can maintain six feet of distance. This is just looking at the law, the letter of the law. So we're going to try to do that in order to help, okay, to try to meet people where they are. This is how we're going to do it. And what we're going to do, what we're committed to do as an elder team is to continue to reevaluate this. Again, I think we all believe that this is biblically unsustainable forever. So we're going to continue to reevaluate this and be honest with you, okay? So I hope that you hear my heart in this. I recognize that there are opinions all over the map. I hope that we can all recognize this morning that it's not just simple. It's not just easy. So let's lay our gavels down and let's just love each other. Amen? Amen. Love each other and understand there's way bigger issues. Way bigger issues. We are united in Christ. My friends, we are united in Christ. Let that drive us to each other. Okay? Drive us to each other. For, as Peter says, love covers a multitude of sin. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your word, for how it leads us, guides us. This is tough, Father. So I pray that you would give us wisdom. But in this space of very differing opinions and passionately held ones, I pray that you would help us to give grace to each other. Help us to love one another. Help us to believe the best and to do it ruggedly, ferociously, to believe the best about one another. <clears throat> Father, as we prepare to go to your table, I pray that in this moment you would lower some defenses I pray that you would eradicate some hurt, some pain, some bitterness. I pray that you would cause unity to happen even if conversations need to happen. I pray that you would cause unity and bring us together in spirit to be able to observe your elements as a family. God, as we prepare to be in the park today. I pray that you would lower some walls. I pray that you would flourish a bunch of hugs in the park and a spirit of unity that the people of Havelock would take notice of. I pray that you would bring people to yourself today for your honor and for your glory. God, we desire, we desire you more than anything.